Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you that we can rejoice and be glad knowing that you are for us and not against us. The greater is he who is with us than those that come against us. And while we witness many on various fronts, there are more numerous those who fight with us than those coming against us. Your heavenly host, your angels that encamp around us, like Psalm 91 verse 11 says, that you send your angels, your messengers to watch over us. We pray in this moment that you cover this place with the blood of Jesus. Surround this place with the angels of God and allow us to welcome your word with great shouts of victory and triumph that your word would make its way into our heart, that we not sin against you, that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, that your word, Father God, would be the good seed planted in good heart that would bring forth a glorious harvest that pleases you. We pray that your word would be a double-edged sword that would penetrate the deepest part of our spirit and soul to discern spiritual things that concern our physical lives. We pray that you would prosper your word in our hearts and that it not return void, O God. Be glorious and let your words continue forth to cover the earth, Lord, so that we have the hope to cover the earth with your glory, Lord manifesting obedience to your word that we might see your purposes in our lives. Bless your people. Bless this place, O oh God, and prosper us in your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Um, a lot of people do not know the dynamics of the word of God, but Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 says that in the beginning the earth was dark and it was empty. That's a, it had no form, and it was empty, void, and filled with darkness. There was no order there. Everything was out of order. And this, is, this represents the lives that we have before God's word comes. It's dark. It's empty. It's disfigured. It's distorted. Everything's out of whack. I want to suggest that this is the work of Satan himself. He comes to diminish, to deplete, to destroy, to disorder, to disfigure everything in our lives until, verse 3, the word of the Lord comes. And God said, let there be light. When there is a God said, everything changes. Until God says, things remain the same. That's why the word of the God is so important. The word of the Lord is so primary in our worship. It begins to organize our lives. If you weren't here on Wednesday night, you missed one of the all-time classic words that could come into our life and set you free. You need to be constantly... Uh, confronted and exposed to the word of God. We say in this church, if you sit in the first five rows, you get a suntan. Because the word of God issues forth from the pulpit and those in the back are, are hiding and they, they don't want to be, no. Get exposed to the word of God and you'll see the expressions of the manifest glory of the Lord. And the Lord looks into a dark 
into an empty, into a disordered existence, and he speaks. And, and you can see the difference between those who begin to become flourishing because at the end of his speaking, you have a paradise. You have the perfect setting for man's existence. He created the sun. He created the stars. He created the moon. He created everything. And at the end, he says, it's all good. And he put man to dwell there in that place that he had designed by his word. And, and the diminishing of that reality is when we start disobeying and we start walking away, uh, the devil began to question the word. Is it true that God said you're not to eat off this tree and go ahead and eat? And is it true that God doesn't want you to be in this place? Go ahead and go there. And is it true that God doesn't want to open your eyes? No, open your eyes and let me. So he began to diminish and come against the word of God. So now the balance of our life is to hear the word of God and to, um, and to say, God, I want to line up with your word that my life can reflect your fruitfulness. If you go into a desert, you see there's nothing growing. There's no roots. There's no trees, no branches, no leaves, no flowers, no fruit. You say, this is ruins. There's nothing happening here. And that's why Psalm 68 verse 6 says, The rebel, the one who goes against his word, will dwell in a dry land. The rebellious will dwell in a dry land. The, the one who decides to go against God's word, we can say with all security, he's a rebel. When we went to Cuba, that's what we told the Cuban men. Their, their national radio station is called Radio Rebelde. Their newspaper is called Juventud Rebelde. Their army is called, the soldiers are called Rebeldes. They celebrate the, the only national holiday they have is July 26th. It's the National Day of Rebellion. So they're full-on rebellious, so they're full-on a dry land. They're a desolate wilderness. There's no food. There's no prosperity. There is no provision. So if you're a rebel then that explains why there's no fruitfulness. But if you're open to listen to the word of God this morning and it finds a place in your heart, today we're going to talk about the land of perfect peace and abundant joy. That's the name of this, of this sermon. Uh, the world-changing land of Beulah, a place of perfect peace and abundant joy. When God is pointing out areas and attitudes in our hearts that are not consistent with his desire, it's a toxic atmosphere. Right now, we are enjoying oxygen in this place. Everybody gets to breathe. If there's no oxygen, you need an oxygen tank. If you can't breathe, there's a problem. You're going to die. So if you are not living in the land of abundant joy and perfect peace... It becomes a horrible setting. A lot of people call me and say, Pastor, I'm having panic attacks. I go, yeah, I know, because oxygen is running out spiritually. You are intoxicated. You are infirm. You've allowed things to come into your life to steal from you. I just want to say this as a foundation for today. Your life is to reflect perfect peace and abundant joy. If there's any lack in these two areas, your peace, um, another word for peace is prosperity, that nothing keep you back from prospering. And uh, even abundant joy, uh, Paul talks about inexpressible joy. It is so, it is so full of joy. Uh, as, as I was talking to Pastor Richie on Wednesday, he says, Pastor, 
I'm feeling like a little kid that's running around in circles. I'm so full of joy. I'm like, that's, that's like a measure of joy that I pray that you experience. Because that's supposed to be your reality. And if anything has stripped you of joy, and I can tell because you have a sour face. You're sucking on lemons again. Help them, Lord. The truth is, God wants you to have a joy that is expressible in the countenance and the figure of your face. We, we said this before, better than plastic surgery is a wife that has joy. A wife that is full of joy, she doesn't need plastic surgery. Forget about Botox. She, she got an expression that's coming from, from the inner expression of a life that's insatiable in God. But you know what, what takes away that sentiment is sin. And as we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the power of pride, that, that, that satanic nature that has seeped itself into our existence. It strips you of grace. The goodness of God will not be experienced by the proud. God resists the proud. He's not on their team. He comes against them. But he gives grace to the humble. We talked about that. And then on Wednesday, we talked about the grasp that greed has in our life. How greed is choking our existence. And we need to be released from that grip because it's destroying us. It will leave us in ruins. These sentiments of sin are the out-of-order, twisted desires of our thoughts. Every time God has a desire for joy and peace... And we're trying to find joy and peace outside of God. Do you know anybody like that? If I was married, I'd be happy. Mm, not really. If I finally got the job I wanted, I would be, no. Because these things, we, said, we read it last week, uh, life does not consist of things you possess. It's not the things that you have that determine your joy and your peace. If, if you don't know that, then you're a miserable person because you always think that if you had more, you'd be happy. If, if things went your way, you would have peace. And it's not true. It's when you think like God. When your thoughts are ordered like God wants to order your thoughts, you have, we used to sing a song, I got peace like a river, I got peace like a river. I got peace like a river in my soul. I got peace like a river. I got peace like a river. I have peace like a river in my soul. That, that, that wealth and that depth doesn't come from things. And it doesn't come from, from having things go your way. You'll find the opposite is true. James chapter 1 verse 13. Let no man say when he has been tempted, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God is not uh, what you think. He's not messing up your party. He's not responsible. I used to think, God, I'm not happy because of you. And then the Lord says, no, you're not happy because of me. You're not happy because your desires are to go against me. You're, you're wanting things that I don't want for your life. Verse 14, each one of you is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desire, when he's enticed, when you're tripped up in the way of your own desire, things start 
subtracting from your joy and your peace. I promise you there is no better existence on the face of the earth than to align yourself up with the word of God. When when your thoughts, your attitudes, your disposition is lined up with the word of God, Psalm 119 verse 165 becomes a reality. Lord, I have great peace. 165, 119-165, Psalm 119, verse 165, great peace have those who love your word. Nothing causes them to disrupt or to to have issues. When people come full of issues in my office, I'm not no magician, I'm not a fortune teller. All I do is say, where does the word of God say something, and you're doing the opposite. Where is God calling you to a direction and you're moving in the contrary? It's for, good, it's for good measure according to you. You desire peace, you desire joy, but you don't have it because you're not walking according to his word. Each one drawn away by his own desire, James 1, 4, 4, uh, 14 says, and enticed, tang- entangled. Each one tempted when you're, I I stopped saying, God, this is your fault. And I started praying, God, what's in me that's desiring what you don't want, fix it. Change this inside so that my outside can reflect what you want. Verse 15, this desire, when it comes to full circle, gives birth to sin. And sin... When you have it in its full measure, equals death. So you see that it went the wrong way. It started with a desire. It started with a sentiment. And so these desires and sentiment that are toxic, that are uh, causing problems in our life, is why we are lacking in joy and peace. The Bible makes provision in this admonition. How many know that? That for this situation, the Bible has the answer. Some of you do. This was a Christian church. All of you would. But that's fine. We're working on it. (laughs) Verse 16 gives us the answer. Verse 16 says, when things are going twisted and things are not going right, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Don't let the devil take you on a different route. When you're feeling a desire and a sentiment for joy and peace that's leading you in the way of sin, that's tempting you to go contrary to God, then you recognize what is happening and you're not going to be deceived by the devil. You know that if you fulfill your rebellion, disobedience, and sin, you're entrapped in diminished joy and peace. So don't be deceived because verse 17, everything good comes from God. Everything good and perfect is not walking away from God. It's walking to God. I'm not going to get greater peace and joy by doing what God doesn't want, but by running to him so that I can receive what is good from his hand and what he, say with me, gifts. It's a gift from above. It comes down from a father. And there is no, there is no deception in him. There is no promise that he doesn't fulfill. There's not a shadow that he's not going to deliver truth. 
He is going to come with all the goods. We don't have to go to sin. This is when I realized at a very young age that sin would not satisfy me. But God will. God will quench my thirst. He will satisfy my hunger. He will provide that which I yearn. The deepest yearning of a man's heart are the gifts that God gives. Verse 18 says that he, his own will be brought of his own desire, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be kind of the expressions of first fruits of his creatures. That means God fulfilling his desire upon your life, the, in, uh, the exorbitant and vast amount of peace and joy is for sure. Because he delivers his promises. He fulfills what he created us for. And... This all ends up by telling us, so make sure, verse 22, that you're not just a hearer of the word, but a doer. Because if you're just listening to this stuff and you don't intend to walk in this direction, you're just deceiving yourself. You're wasting your time. I was talking to several leaders, and I was saying, look, the saddest thing in the world is that God having provision for peace and joy, people are out there doing other things. They're doing it at, at levels that's crazy, but God has the real substance of what we need. Um, we, we want to press into this a little bit. The, if, if you're going to define the word holiness, and a lot of people, you know, over the years, they listen to us, and this is what they say, oh, you guys are into the holiness movement. Like it's something weird. No, listen to me. Holiness is when you do life God's way. Amen. Amen. He's holy. Be holy. And so, yeah, the coming near to God's way of doing things is the holiness movement. Be careful. You're in the holiness movement. Absolutely. Absolutely, we have a holy God, and he wants us to live like he lives and where he lives in holiness, there's abundant joy and peace without end. It's a, it's a kingdom that has a peace that will never end. And, and that's what a lot of people, if you see everyone who's striving in this world to find, uh, we were talking about there are certain pharmaceuticals. People, man, I just feel like I'm in, I'm in listen, you don't need pharmaceuticals. You need to listen to God and start doing life the way he says. Amen. When you start doing life the way God says, your pharmaceuticals will fall short from the expression of that high you're going to have. You're going to have a high that's higher than high. And, and this is perfect peace. And a lot of people that are overdosing on opiates, um, a lot of you didn't know that, that Pastor Richie's brother died of a heroin overdose. He's a great trumpet player, but he had no peace. So these musicians, and we see them in the newspaper, and that we see them in the social media all, every day, so-and-so died at 28, so-and-so died at 24, 21, 38, 40, uh, young death, and it's all because they want to experience a high that is greater than the pharmaceutical they're taking. They just, just overdose on, on these opiates, on these heroin. Uh, it's, it's one of the plagues of our nations right now. They can't explain why so many people want to be on heroin. It's because they're seeking a peace they can't find. They're seeking a joy 
that they don't know how to experience. And here, the Bible is telling us that we're to go in this direction of holiness. Holiness is defined by doing things God's way. And sin robs us of that sentiment. God created man for his purpose, and holiness is realized when, 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 we're, when we're walking in holiness, the manifestation is glory. We were created for the glory of God. We must walk in his holiness so we might reflect his glory. And so when people see your countenance so bright and just radiating with the joy of the Lord, they're like, man, this guy is smoking some serious crack rock. Where is he dabbling? And this has happened. Many of the, uh, the, the families have come to our church and they've experienced the, the joy of the Lord. They're like, man, you're smoking something. That, that's not crack either. It's something more intense. Uh, there's something that you're feeding off that's creating an existence of peace and joy. That's what my mom felt when she had received Jesus Christ. She, she would drink pills. She would try and medicate herself to, to try and, and go to sleep at night and not worry and not be concerned. And when Jesus and his reality came in, no more pharmaceuticals. And my dad, who's a doctor, says, what are you taking now? And she says, it's called the gospel. <laughs> Jesus is a reality in my life. I could sleep now because I could... Be confident in him. So these expressions of this reality called holiness manifest his glory. These realities in holiness. How many know that holiness is not your husband's problem? It's not your husband's problem. You're to walk in holiness. You're to elevate all things to the level of being accountable to do it God's way. Even the expressions of, uh, we were telling uh, a couple of wives this week, just give your husband to the Lord. Just let God deal with him. He's a headache. Let, let God deal with that headache. You just enjoy God's goodness in your life, and he's going to show forth promise. But these uh, sentiments of sin, uh, I want to say this is why we're touching upon these attitudes. We talked about the sins that kept Israel out of the promised land that flowed with milk and honey. We talked about pride. We talked about greed. We will continue to talk about the expressions of these things. When, when we talked about pride, we talked about humility and grace are the offshoots of walking contrary to pride. When you decide that pride's not going to be your option and your desire, then grace, humility comes in and grace will follow. If you're walking in greed, we talked about contentment and generosity. We're not going to walk in, in not having enough and not sharing what we have. We're going to break the power of the yoke of greed by following the word of the Lord. The Bible says, put to death all your sentiments that are upon the earth in Colossians 3, 5. And one of those things that is there that we're to put to death is greed. We're to do away with a sentiment. Therefore, put to death the members in your lives which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, and greed which is idolatry, when you want more than God has given you. So these expressions, again, going quickly towards abundant joy and, and, uh, and peace, we need to realize that sin is diminishing our capacity for peace and joy. 
It's not that you don't have a good psychiatrist, and it's not that you have too many problems. It's that sin has seeped itself into your life, and it's pulling you out of holiness so you're not reflecting the glory of God. When we walk towards God's fullness, we can see his glory. We can see the expression. Now, today, uh, and and we don't do this, we're a spirit-led church. When the church started this morning, the service, if you're not here early, you miss the devotion. And the devotional was given by Maggie, and she began to say, come and receive what the Lord has to give you, and it doesn't concern. Who is paying attention? Money. Isaiah 55.1. The invitation of the Lord this morning, and I didn't talk to Maggie, and she didn't talk to me. And here God and the Spirit of God says the same thing in her devotion and now in the sermon. And I couldn't believe it. I was back there. The Lord's talking to me. And I hear her talking. And I run over here. I was like, oh, God's in it. Because I'm always weary about talking about money because money is a a real crazy uh, taboo in Christian circles, in religious circles. People don't like to come to church and hear about money, but if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about money, you do well in listening. And he says, everyone who has need, come to the provision I have, especially you who don't have money, come and buy and eat, yes, come and buy peace and joy without money, and it's not going to cost you. So why in a spiritual book, the God in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, he's telling his people, I have something for you that is a measure of sufficiency to satisfy that doesn't concern money. Why would God say that? And I would like to add to this a little bit, which is if you don't know how to relate to that which is in your hand called money, you could never steward or receive those things that are of greater value. Because he says, if you don't know how to treat that which is unclean properly, who's going to give you those things that are holy? How is it that you're going to have a measure of provision that doesn't concern dinero? Verse 2. Why do you spend money Why do you replace that which is of more value where you want to use money? Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And why do you direct your wages for that which is never going to satisfy you? See, I want to suggest that the greatest hindrance for peace and joy has to do with the thought process on how people deal with money. Money is not dirty. We, we, we thought money was. You know, you're filthy rich. Fil- filthy rich? No. Filthy rich. You got so money, you're dirty. No, 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 no. Those, those are concepts that are wicked and twisted because money is not evil. Love of money is the root of all evil. Your twisted sentiment of how you direct your thoughts in the direction of money has a problem for you. You're trying to 
quench your thirst with it. You're trying to not hunger anymore with it. Your wages does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me to you. He says, listen carefully to me and eat, nourish yourself from what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Come to a provision that is far beyond and above your dealings with dinero, with money. Come and get a provision. And, and I was just talking to a friend, and, and I was saying, listen, if you were to see my life, I challenge you to find a billionaire that is wealthier than I, whose marriage and family and peace and joy surpasses all understanding. Not because of money, but because 34 years of walking in the direction of God's purpose and choosing. You guys know, I've had many opportunities to choose the wealth of this world and decided I want the peace of God and I want the joy of the Lord. I decided. And, and early on in my legal career, a wealthy millionaire says, hey, we're going to have the first Latino restaurant in Fort Lauderdale. There's no Cuban cafeterias. It's called La, La Casita. It's going to be me and you. We're going to pastelitos in Fort Lauderdale. And we, we got the building, got the menu, got everything. And the Lord tells me one month before we open, do you want the riches of the world or do you want my purpose? And I called my friend. I said, listen, the Lord told me I had a choice, and I'm choosing his peace and his joy over an additional thousands of dollars a month. So they're, they're, they're decisions. I could have walked in that direction. I said, no. I want the peace that surpasses all understanding. I want the joy that you cannot buy, my friend. You can't buy the joy of the Lord by seeking what mammon draws your heart to. So the Lord says, you want abundance of joy and peace? I hope you don't think it's in a larger bank account. I hope you don't think it's in more commerce. Because he's inviting us to a place where there's abundance. I don't know if you guys see that. Let your soul delight in abundance. And right above it, it says, not with those things money can buy. Notwithstanding that the Bible is filled with all sorts of advice on how we're to treat money. And let me just tell you something about money. Money better not be talking to you. Because money doesn't speak. There's a spirit called mammon, and it talks very loud. And it tells you, you need this, or you won't find joy. You better buy this, or you won't have peace. When money starts speaking to you, that's a problem because you're to speak to your money. You're going where I tell you to go, not me going where you're talking to me. I'm not going to let my desire draw me away from God to finish in the fruitfulness of sin, the lack of joy and no peace. I'm not going to go in that way. Verse 13. No, verse 3, I'm sorry. 
incline your ear, come to me. So, so this aspect of going into holiness is to listen to God. Don't listen to your money and to your great business deals and things that keep you awake and you come to the house of God and you sleep. Isn't that horrible? You're awake for the things of the world and in the house of God, you are blind, deaf, and dumb. You're not hearing what God says. And God says, abundance, incline your ear so your soul might live and I have an everlasting deal with you that you might come into the sure mercies of David. You're going to come to a level of provision never even thought possible. So these things with money, the deal with our time, with our possessions are all interlaced and they manifest in sin. Your use and direction of money will, will lapse your abundance of sin and peace and joy at home because of sin. In Acts chapter 5 verse 1, it says there was a husband and wife and there's no greater revealer of the heart of man than when they come into money. Almost everybody shows up to the house of God broke as all out. Pastor, I lost my business. We had 300 employees, 500 acres, 1,000 cows, and now we have zero. So I decided to come to the house of God. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you that you decide to show up when you have nothing to offer. The Lord will take you anyways. The Lord has open arms. The words... A certain man named Ananias, Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold the possession. When, when our time and talents are converted into money, how many say uh, magnify the disposition in the heart of man? When, when money is available. These people who were in perfect peace with God, with the congregation, with their leaders, when they come into money, verse 2, they decide to sell one of their properties and kept pack part of the proceeds. His wife was in on it too. She was a co-conspirator. And they only brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Your, your, your money will describe your disposition. There's nothing greater that will describe who you are than how you deal with money. Uh, Billy Graham used to say, I know when a man is saved when he accepts Jesus Christ into his heart, but I have to look at his wallet to see if he's converted. Going to heaven is one thing, and changing the world is another. Living for God is another. Verse 3, they held back part of the proceeds. So Peter said to Ananias, why, why is money allowing Satan to fill your heart to the level that you lie to the Holy Spirit, keeping back part of the price of the land? He says in verse 4, you could do whatever you want with your money, but don't lie. Show forth what you're doing. It was not, was it not your own after you sold it? Was it not your own to do whatever you wanted with it? Don't go around saying you gave everything when you did it. That, that was the sin. It wasn't that they were going to keep part of it. It's that they were going around saying that they love God more than things. But truth was different. Their priority, their disposition, their heart was walking in another direction. And so I have to say, my friend, that, that allow 
your righteousness to be seen by all men so they might glorify your Father that is in heaven. Amen. Let the, the, the proof is in the jello, they say. Let, let your life speak for itself. There's a, a couple of years ago, my accountant came to me and he says, we have a problem. I said, what's the problem? He goes, you're giving too much to the church. And I said, why is that a problem? He says, because the IRS is not going to believe you. I said, I don't care what the IRS believes. I'll show them that this amount of money came in and this amount of money went to the work of the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Let them see where your money goes, where your money is, there your heart is also. If your money is in God, your, your life is going to reflect that reality. So money becomes a disposition to manifest his holiness and glory in the earth. And I want to tell you, if you do with what you have, what God desires, you're going to have a level of peace. I don't think anybody in the world sleeps better than I do. Nobody in the world sleeps better than I do. And it's not because my psychiatric brother gives me good pharmaceuticals. It's I got a peace like a river. I got a peace like a river in my soul. I have decided from a very young age not to be possessed by a desire that's inordinate with regards to this disposition. We talked about on Wednesday why that happened to me, and I got dispossessed of greed. But the end result of chapter 5 of the book of Acts in the New Testament is because people were lying about their money, and Satan filled their heart And they kept more than they said they were keeping. And they could have kept the whole thing. But they wanted to act in one way and live in another. The Lord wants our money to express our devotion. Money and its uses are to be holy. Which means the glory of God can be manifested in the direction that you're using your money. God's word for our money will determine what is revealed and manifest in the direction that God wants. No one has a problem how we use our money until it starts going to the house of God. Um, This one man was coming to our church years ago. He says, my dad hates that I'm giving money to the church. I said, let's go see where your dad gives his money. How many want to do that? It's criticizing his son for honoring God. But then when I find out where his father is putting money, you see that he has a God too, a 32-foot yacht. And every month he's going down there to put $3,000 for his slip at the marina. And his son can't give $300 tithe at the church because dad is giving $3,000 down at the marina for a boat. And so when you start seeing where people put their money, you see where people's heart are. And I'll tell you one thing. I need God more than I need a yacht. I need God to show up. When I'm going through life struggles, I'm not going to jump on a yacht and telling them to save my son or grandson. I'm going to lift my eyes to the heavens. I'm going to direct my heart in the direction of the power of God. And, and you'll see that, that transition. People say, oh, you pay 10% tithe to the church. I go, yeah, and you pay 20% to Macy's. <laughs> Let's, you guys better clap on that one. We're on the internet. You're paying 25% to MasterCard and Lord Express and all these things. And then they look at you like saying, you're a fanatic. You're, next time you say, you know something? You're going to the temple of mammon there in Miami called Dayland. 
And you're taking your offerings and your tithes over there way more than I do to the kingdom I belong a part of. You belong to the, to the spirit of mammon. I belong to the spirit of the Lord. Amen. Find out where people travel and vacation and buy boats and entertainment and hobbies. Everything but God. And you start giving your money to God to honor God with your first fruits. And I want to tell you that where your money goes will determine where your blessing is derived from. This abundance of peace and joy is derived from honoring God with our money. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9, he says it very clearly. Bring in your first fruits. Honor the Lord. See, we, we can't be in the house of God, in the worship of God, in the spirit of God, and not want to talk about our increase. Honor the Lord with what you have and your first fruits with what your increase. All the, all the stuff that are coming in, put God in its rightful place. Pastor, you're insane. Why would I do this? Verse 10, my friend, hold on. Hold on. So that your barns will be filled with plenty. You, you can't have an expectation. You do have an expectation out in the world that if you work hard, if you uh, transact, if you invest, if you, uh, if you do, then you're going to have plenty. No, my friend, when you honor God, you have plenty. Amen. When you honor God, then you start having plenty of peace and joy. Your barns will be filled. I don't know what barns are. Does anybody know what a barn is? A barn is where you put a lot of things. It's called your storage house. It's going to be filled. I say barns in modern days are bank accounts. It's where we put, our, we store the things for the time to come. And your vats will overflow with new wine. We won't see an expression of the abundance of peace and the incredible reality of joy until we address this aspect of our lives. Malachi chapter 3, verse 11, he says, I will rebuke the devourer. You honor me, and I'll tell devil to let you go. Howard Hughes was the wealthiest man in the world, and he died without peace and without joy. You don't want that. I'll rebuke Satan because of you, so that you will not, so that he will not destroy the fruit, the crops of your field. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord. There's going to be plenty of fruit from your ground, and your fields are going to have crops, and I'm going to tell the devil not to touch them so you can sleep at night. So he lays his hands off of your provision, verse 12, and the nations will call you blessed. I was like, man, they're just so prosperous. Man, God, everything goes right. And they have no idea that your heart is lined up with the heart of God. That you're faithful, not walking in the sentiments of sin and pride and greed, but you honor God. All the nations, those who surround you will notice something different. For you will be a land of an expression of pleasure. Going to be a peaceful land, a prosperous land, says the Lord. And it's all tied to the disposition of money. If you missed it, I don't know if you missed it. Verse 10. Bring your tithes into my house, order your money systems. Some people say, oh, Pastor, I just can't afford to tithe. Look, you can't afford not to. 
God is bringing you into a greater expression of responsibility. It measures that have nothing to do with money. I really want you to see that, that the front end is the disposition of money, but the back end is the blessing of the Lord. Amen. It's open heavens towards you. Um, we'll see this in, in, in the scriptures here that, that the word used plenty of times in the New Testament is... Um, Let's go to 1 Timothy 6.10. Well, people might think that money has no place in the house of God. We're seeing that these spiritual truths about money represents your time and your talents. And the extension of your prosperity has to do with your rightful place of these things. Not that love is evil, but the love of money is the root of every kind of evil. It'll lead you in every type of direction. And this has caused some to stray from the faith. How could it be? How could the love of money cause people to walk away from God? Because it has a promise to fulfill your joy and your peace. And so you walk away from the faith. People have greater faith in the systems of this world, in the voice of mammon, which brings fear and insecurity and cowardness. But the assurance of God and his spirit allows you to not walk in greed. It says, from which some have strayed from the faith because of greediness, and this, this has caused them to pierce themselves through, say with me, many sorrows. There's a man that was a friend of my dad. When we became Christians, he says, I can't come to church. And he goes, why not? Because they're going to ask for my money. Okay, so what are you doing with your money? I'm saving it up so when I retire, I can have a great life. So 20 years went by, his son, who was a small lad, two years old, 20 years later, now he's 22, and he's at FSU University, Florida State University, and he has the bright idea to start dealing drugs. And so he was, doing, he was the campus drug, whatever it is, dealer. And they grabbed him, they arrested him, and his father took all his money that he had saved up for so many years, and it went into the hands of lawyers and the legal system and criminality and that which he thought was going to be a peaceful end was not. Many sorrows are the result of those who have placed confidence in money. The Lord wants to deliver us from that today. Some were raised to consider money a taboo. We're not supposed to talk about it. I, I, was, I was listening uh, you guys listen to how I, I taught my children how to not be greedy with a game of Monopoly. Uh, you have to listen to Wednesday's message. I'm not going to say it again. But we broke the yoke of greed in the hearts of my three sons as we played Monopoly. And you'll see how God did that. But if you do that in the life of your child, your child no longer desires to have more money than God. And that, that becomes a problem. If you've, you've taught your child to, to forsake his worship and his passion and devotion to God to have greater amounts of money, get ready, my friend. You're going you're, you're to bleed tears of sorrow because there's a twist in that whole scenario. There's no peace. There's no joy. So here it is. The word that is used in the New Testament is the word oikonomos. Oikonomos is a Greek word uh, translated from oikonomos to English is household. Oiko means house, nomos means government, rule. 
how you govern a house, how you steward. These are all concepts. 109 times in the New Testament, the word oiko, which means home, is used. How do you put the home together? How do you rule? How do you govern? And people are not teaching that. I taught my kids with monopoly how to get money out of their lives and not make it a priority above God. If you taught your children different, you will be subject to the consequences of them trusting in their money. The Word of God teaches us that our economy in order, honors God. And it begins to further your experience in life. Acts chapter 20, verse 20, Paul says, I have kept nothing back from you which will allow you to prosper. I kept nothing back from you to help you go forward. That you might, uh, and taught you publicly from house to house. Um, I, I don't want anybody to say, well, in my church, they never taught us what to do about money. No, listen to me. You need to know the spiritual underlayings of this thing that we all deal with called money. And in our administration, oikonomos, we will either prosper or be diminished in our prosperity. And the word of God is there for everybody to have peace and joy. To have a rightful place of these matters in our lives. Psalm 49, verse 6, don't let, don't let money take a wrongful place in your life where those who trust in wealth boast in the multitude of their riches. These people who think that money is everything, when life hits them across the forehead with a two-by-four, they realize that their money is nothing compared to the blessing of the Lord. To put your confidence in money is a curse. To put your confidence in God is a blessing. Amen. Proverbs 10.22 says, It's the blessing of the Lord that makes you prosperous and wealthy and adds no sorrow. Adds no sorrow. There's no, there's no downside to this. We were saying that there's some people that are so poor that the only thing they have is money. They have no friends, they have no relationships, they have no kingdom of God, they have no peace, no hope. A friend of mine came up to me and says, my father-in-law just bought a $50 million boat. I said, listen to me, go brag to somebody else. I know your father-in-law to be the most miserable man on the earth. Why? He doesn't have one friend to go on that boat with him. He doesn't have one friend to share in his prosperity and in his blessing. He dies, and his money will die with him. It all goes to naught. Acts 20, verse 27, I have not kept back to declare you God's thoughts on these matters. You should know what we think about money, about sex, about marriage, about finances, about politics, about rule. We should know everything according to the word of God. And Paul says, I have not shunned to declare you the whole counsel of God. You should know after today that peace and joy come, but without the price of money. Amen. You'll never buy the abundance that God has for you, you wheeling and dealing, you small, insignificant, minute, little money handler. You're like a little rat, a squirrel with a nut, and God laughs at you. Because he wants to give you the oceans, and you're drowning in a cup of tea. 
God wants to give you abundance so that you're not fettered. God cannot bless some of you because if he bless some of you, I'll never see you again. I have to take a picture of you. God cannot bless you. There's a guy who would say, I'm not going to church no more because when I'm dying, I'm not going to give the church anything. So I better just not be part of the church no more. Let me not be part of a place where I'm supposed to care because I really don't care. Isn't that awful? Money has his heart. Money has a grip in his heart. The rich young ruler says he walked away from Jesus for he had many possessions. Not supposed to have the possessions, have you? Third John verse 2 says, Beloved, I desire your prosperity in every expression of life, especially in your health, just as your soul prospers. This verse here says that God wants you to have abundance in every direction, peace, joy, provision, purpose, protection, in every direction, that you prosper and have success, and that this would include your health, just as your sentiment, will, and desires prosper. He wants there to be a full expression of prosperity, and it starts in this administration of stewardship. How you steward your money is an economic expression, how you run your house, not like the world runs it. Romans 12.2 says, not be conformed to this world. Don't do things like the world does it. Uh, some of my friends have 401Ks, some have 30210s, uh, some of them have ABCs, the XYC, subsection 4, side 3. I have Nicholas, Brandon, and Joshua. <laughs> I'm investing in the lives of my children. I'm investing in the life of my spiritual children. We said on Wednesday that if you begin to live for others, you're taken care of. Derek Prince says that social security is a fraud and an imitation to loving people. Caring about people. I told a friend this week, I go, you want to invest in your future legal representation? He's like, what are you talking about? I go, yeah, my kids are in law school. If you pay their parking, they'll think about you one day. <laughs> so he walked up to my son, Joshua, and he says, hey, Josh, if you need help with um, your tolls going to school, I'll help you out. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? We don't think about anybody. We don't invest, so there's no reaping there's no sowing there's no reaping there's no remembering god where are you where were you matthew 6 24 no one can serve two masters if you have listened to mammon during your life the words of this secret voice you're walking through the car dealer and this incredible car calls you and says hey you need me you want me. Come and have me. And you go to your wife and says, I don't know why, but something's telling me to buy this car. It's the spirit of mammon. A voice that speaks louder than the voice of God towards your life. You cannot serve two masters. You'll either hate one, you'll hate this message, or you'll love this message. You'll be loyal to one or you'll despise one. You'll hate it. You cannot serve God and mammon. This mammon is a spirit, an evil spirit that brings men to captivity under the power of the influence of money. God wants to make us free. That's why I think he's given us this sermon today. Come and delight your soul with abundance. Come and listen with your ears. Come to hear me, and your soul shall live according to the everlasting covenant that I want to make with you. 
as he's speaking these words, verse 7 says, remember Isaiah 55? We started out with, you who have no money, come and buy without money, without a price. Spend your money on none other things, but not on those. It says, here's what he says about that person. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way. Look, we don't consider men who deal like this wicked. But God considers a man who's trying to find a return in money what he could only get for God, from God. Amen. That satisfaction of the soul, the abundance, the pleasure, the provision. We, we read on Wednesday that God wants you, he desires you to have all things and enjoy them. There's nothing wrong with abundance of things other than you have twisted your values and priorities. Because God wants and his desire is for you to increase. But let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so that he might have mercy on him. And to our God who has abundantly, he will abundantly pardon. He says in this manner, verse 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts. The way you want to get to things is not my way, says the Lord. As high as the heavens are from the earth, verse 9, so my ways are higher than yours and my thoughts higher than yours. For as the rain, here it is, the provisions of abundance of peace and joy are this right here. Just as the rains fall from the heavens, verse 10, as the rain comes down and the snow, and do not return there, but they water the earth and make it bring forth and bud and give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. There is a supernatural provision that is unleashed from the heavens to fall upon man who has ordered his ways. Who's trying to find in money his provision, his thirst, his increase. It's not there. The administration of how you steward the, the way that you manage your provision will dictate the harvest. Verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall, God bless you. It shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I please to prosper. It shall prosper those things for which I send it. So I believe that there's a realm where God says holiness, prosper. Holiness, prosper. Holiness, prosper. Holiness, prosper. It adds the increase of joy, the increase of peace, the increase of provision, protection, purpose, the fulfillment of God's desire on our hearts who desire those things. Because this is not a compulsion on those that desire to continue to hold on, but it is a real expression to accomplish the prosperity which I send it for. What is prosperity? Verse 12. Here it is. So you shall go out with joy and let peace lead you, so that the mountains and hills shall break forth in singing before you, and all the trees of the field clap their hands. Because you lined up yourself in the purpose of God. This chapter starts out talking about why are you looking at money as that situation. No, no, put your money in the proper perspective, and you're going to see crops and harvest and fruitfulness. Your peace is going to be your infilling. You shall go out with peace, and you shall be led out 
not with fear. Uh, mammon brings fear, it brings aging, it brings phobia. It, it said, in, in some, instead of joy and peace, verse 13 will be thrust through with thorns. If, if, you're, if you're walking in God's purpose, the thorns will turn into cypress. And instead of briars, what we call thorns and thistles, you're going to have a myrtle tree. The word myrtle in, in that language is laughter. And be stressed out. You're going to have a, an expression of joy that far surpasses your, your, your situation, your circumstance. It shall be to the Lord for a name. Uh, people are going to say, how did this happen? And you're going to say, God. God was here. We gave place to God to express his fruitfulness for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. It's not going to end. Um, I thank God to have showered me this during my adolescent years, my young adulthood years, my law school and law career years. Um, I, I, the expression of what God has done is greater than anything that man could have accomplished. And, and we had several very wealthy men throughout the years saying, listen, I'm going to lend you some of my money. I was like, nah, not really. Uh, what God's going to do is greater than your money. Uh, the peace of God it surpasses. The joy of God is unspeakable. And so let's stand today and ask God to lead us in this direction. Um, you'll notice that our church is not one to pass the plate and to ask you for tithes and offerings. It's not because we do not teach that. It's not because we don't live that. In fact, our church is one of the most faithful churches in this area. Usually in a church this size, only 20% of the people will bring their tithes faithfully. Imagine that. Out of t every 10 people, only two. So in other churches, it's 20% that brings faithfully their provision to the house of God. In this church, it's 80%. Amen. The statistics are that only 20% of the congregation is faithful with tithes and offering. Not in our church. In our church, since it was born, we love God so much. He is our priority. He is our glory. We boast in him. Yeah, he's given us careers. He's given us contracts. We have increase. We have income. We have investments. He's caused us to flourish. He's made us wealthy. I was, I was meditating on Abraham. He was out in the desert with nothing. And the Bible says that he came into huge riches and provisions and cows and, and, and orchards and, and vineyards and cattle. And, and he gave it all to his son. So that's, that's what we do. And, and I, I, I know that a man who honors God, his children will be mighty upon the land. That's what it says. But we'll read it right now in Psalm 112. Verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who delights in the word of the Lord, who fears God and delights in his commandments. This man shall be blessed. Verse 2, his children will be mighty on the earth. This generation that follows an upright man, you know what, what the consequences are? Since he's right with God, the provision of heaven, of, of joy and peace are present in abundance. The next thing it says, riches, verse 3, wealth and riches will be in his house. 
and his righteousness endures. It's not going to let up. There's not going to be a fiasco, a failure, a bankruptcy. There's just going to be greater provision of peace, greater provision of joy, of joy, greater strength, greater wisdom, greater encouragement. And, and that's what God wants to do in our lives, that nothing would diminish your joy and your peace. Father, thank you today for the word of the Lord. Let the word of God be our meditation day and night that we might prosper in all our ways, that we might be a tree planted next to the rivers of water, that our leaf will not wither, that we shall give fruit in season. Our expectation is from the Lord. We pray that you would continue to lead us in the way we should go. Direct our paths and allow our hearts to be subject to your word, aligned to your desire, your spirit, and that we might come into things that money cannot buy so that our souls might feed on abundance, that we might have a harvest of a life that rejoices with abundant joy. We pray your blessing upon your people, Lord, as we fight the good fight of faith. We pray that the yoke of greed and sin and the lust of this world would be broken through your anointing. We pray that your, your uh, word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that it would bring clarity to our hearts to understand what the good, perfect, and pleasing will of God is. We glorify you and we exalt you. Take your place upon your throne and be our priority. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says amen, amen, amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.